so much. All right, we're on to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. Thank you. The ladies always do a great job preparing our hearts. Now tonight, uh, I've been asking the Lord for sermons on Sunday night that would help us. Obviously, I always pray that way, but uh, with some emotions that we have to deal with from time to time and had a couple sermons we went through on Worry or fretfulness and how that can become a sin in our lives. We don't want that. Uh, but tonight I'll be dealing with forgiveness. And uh, I don't know, it might be a two-weeker, I have no idea. But um, we need to look at the emotion of forgiveness. And then I feel like the Lord lead me to do something on comfort and then how to be comfort uh, to others. So I, I don't know how this is going to fall out, how many emotions the Lord will have me deal with. But... Uh, we all need to be reminded of these things and how the Lord can help us, but not only that, help us to help others. Okay, that's the, that's the motive of my heart in these sermons. So tonight, forgiveness. I hope you come. hope God speaks to all our hearts regarding that subject. Amen? Um, let's see. Brother Tom's not here, so Brother Lewis, I need you to get to book ten, uh, number 10 in the songbook for the invitation, if you can do that for me. I believe it's there, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. I think it's there. And we're going to use that at, at the invitation. In Luke chapter 19, um, back in February, we had several uh, testimonies on I Love My Church Sunday, and they were just awesome. And I love that, uh, that special service we have every three years. We have I Love My Church Sunday and testimonies, and all that spoke this year did a great job in sharing their salvation story and uh, it was a blessing but from that I've been thinking about a thought and uh, today I want to deal with a great conversion story they, those were good ones we think but I want to look at a great conversion story 
this morning. In Luke chapter 19, it's well known to all of us, but just look at verse 9 and 10 to get started with. In Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray. Father, help us as we get into thy book today. Thank you for preserving it for us. Uh, we pray that we would take a look at this conversion story today. Many will relate to it. There may be somebody here today, Lord, thou knowest, that is not yet born again. Please, Holy Spirit, do the drawing, do the convincing, do the conversion in their heart as I preach. And Lord, for those of us that know you and have known you for a long time, give us our burden to try to reach others for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to consider this portion of scripture regarding soul salvation. Now again, the story is the story of Zacchaeus. We're told in scripture that he is the chief publican. Now because of that, Zacchaeus was a very well-known man in the city of Jericho. Take a look at chapter 19 and verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now Jericho, I read some stuff on Jericho this week I really didn't know much about, but for time's sake, I can't go into all that, but it's interesting, study it yourself. But a couple things are very obvious here about it, is that it is a city that was high in crime and wickedness. It was a place where a lot of people didn't want to go. It was people would rather bypass this city than to go through it. But our Lord went through it for the purpose of one soul. And I thank, we, I thank God we have a Savior that's willing to go to one soul. And again, I don't know that there might be one soul here today in need of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know today, if you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, you're important to God. He gave his only begotten son to save your soul. And maybe this message is just for you today. I don't know. I'm just a preparer. I'm just a preacher but you never know who you're talking to in an assembly on a Sunday morning. But this story of Zacchaeus, this chief publican, um, he was a, a tax collector. And by the way, April 15th is coming, less than a month away. What a blessing. But anyway, uh, he had dealings with all type of people uh, because of his prominent position and his power that he wielded on the behalf of Caesar and the Roman government. Uh, advancing that kingdom. Now, most obvious, though, Zacchaeus' job caused him to be hated by his fellow Jew. They considered him to be a despicable man. They, they thought him to be a traitor to their people and to their causes because he was working for Rome. He was hated because he was good at his job. He was hated because he collected taxes and at times cast people out of their homes because they were forfeited unto the government. He was hated because of the assessments that he would make, causing much havoc in the hearts and lives of God's people. Hated because he was rich, because he was good at his job. He was hated because he collected property and forfeited belongings and 
extra interest and many other things that profited him and put money into his pockets. So we're looking at a man here who was, he's a loner in the city he lived in. Uh, he didn't have a whole lot of friends. Mainly, we know that he was chief among the publicans. He was the head, not Republican, I almost said Republican, uh, uh, publican, the head guy, big chiefs. And uh, I, I find his story very interesting. I think last year I preached on him, matter of fact. First thing we want to know about here is Jesus was passing through the city of Jericho. Now the Holy Spirit makes sure that we know this bit of information. Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus Christ was passing through Jer uh, Jericho. He had not met him, according to Scripture, before, and he had heard a lot about him. He had heard about his miracles, he heard about his ministry, heard about his preaching, heard lots and lots about him. So much so that in his busy schedule, he wanted to see who Jesus was. And so again, this is a city that is very populous, very important, said to be a cursed city, said to be a city that people avoided if they could because of the population. I know my son for a little while uh, was near Washington at work. He did that for about a year, and he wanted to leave that area, not because it wasn't uh, a beautiful area and all, all other good reasons, because of the traffic and getting home late and all that. And, and, and that's what I think Jericho is, just a packed city and with lots of trouble, a lot of crime, and a lot of people would rather avoid it than go there. But the Lord went there. Jesus was willing to go, let me remind you, to a sin-cursed world for me. Jesus was willing to leave heaven and come down to this wicked world for you. What a Savior, amen? Willing to shed his blood and finish my redemption on the cross of Calvary. Thank God, what a wonderful Savior is ours. And we can see the heart of Jesus back in this story, willing to go to a place where not a lot of people wanted to go. And when he went, he was well known about. Paul writes in reference, we can't go there for time, but uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21, we see that from Adam's curse to God's cure through Jesus Christ. The way of salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. He is it. So if anyone's here today and you're thinking it's religion, it's in different kinds, all roads lead to heaven, they don't. One way, and that's Jesus Christ. But Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 5, 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, notice the number one, justified uh, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto all men unto justification of life. He goes on and says in verse 12, for as by one man's disobedience, that was Adam, our father, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Thank God for Jesus Christ's obedience to the Father. Thank God that he was willing to come here to this world for our redemption. What a Savior. Amen? And uh, I was thinking about that, and I was looking up songs that had to do with the redemption of mankind. You know, I love just to get in my songbook and sing to the Lord in my office, and I love looking at songs and the meanings of those songs and why they were written and when they were written and 
Uh, I'll tell you, our songbook is full of wonderful songs. And my mind this week, as I studied for this, went to a song written by Charles Wesley, and that's what we're going to sing in the invitation, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And why I chose that, listen to the words of this song. It says, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumph of His grace. My gracious Master and my God assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of His name. The name of Jesus charms our fears and bids our sorrows cease, sings music in the sinner's ears, brings life and health and peace. Now here it is. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avails for me. Whoa, my goodness gracious. And we can see that in this story of this, this man, this loner man. And he had a lot. He had riches. He had stature. He had respect, but he was disliked. He was hated and therefore didn't have many friends in this life. And Jesus passed by his town when everybody else would have avoided that town. For what re one reason, that one man, I believe, he came so, so Zacchaeus could hear the message of Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, Look to the Lord who did atone for sin, O fallen race. Look and be saved through faith alone by, ju by justified uh, by grace. See all our sins on Jesus laid. The Lamb has made us whole. His soul was once an offering made for every human soul. Amen. I'm glad Jesus passed by Jericho. More importantly, I, I, I'm glad he passed by Garden City, Michigan. Jericho had many sinners that lived there. But one day, Jesus came by for one sinner to win him unto himself. I don't know when or where or the circumstances of your salvation, but every once in a while, it'd be good for you to go back and just remember. He came to you. He came for you. If we be honest, none of us are much of anything. Outside of the grace of God, we're nothing. But he came. Jesus passed to Jericho. And he came for a man. And here's what it says. He sought to see Jesus, who he was. Zacchaeus heard of the Savior. Second of all, the great crowds had formed with the news of Jesus coming. The place was a buzz, folks. There was all kinds of excitement in the streets, and there was also all kinds of curiosity about this Jesus, for they heard about his former ministry and what he did here, what he did there. And they all came for different purposes. Sometimes people come to hear the Lord preach because they had heard about his great preaching ability. Sometimes people came because they wanted to see a miracle. Sometimes, they, quite frankly, came to get a meal. Amen. Because he fed the 5,000. 
But, you know, there was always curiosity, always a buzz, always people interested in when the Lord came by. Now, the Lord was different from any other man before him. We know from Scripture that he had drawing power. The Lord's drawing power to the, to the populace at that was his holiness, his compassion, his truthfulness, his power, his miracles, his authority. But most of all, I think friendship of sinners he gathered people unto himself because the people believed that he would do something for them. Not just see something, not just hear something, but they would experience something one-on-one -on -one with Jesus Christ. So the multitudes came and they thronged him for who he was and to see what would happen. If he would come and heal, if he would come and help, if there would be some comfort in his arrival, that people would be fed, some measure of grace bestowed to them. But then we see this great man, Zacchaeus, and he comes. Yes, curiosity. Yes, he probably wanted to see the man himself, but he knew he needed a friend. He was friendless because of his occupation, because of how people felt about him. But what's interesting, Jesus came by, Brother Kevin, but Zacchaeus leaves his home his office, his business, and seeks out Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4. And he besought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. You know, Jesus came to save the lost. But there's, there's a caveat to that. In this way, he expects man to come to him. Jesus came. I was talking to this this morning in the Sunday school class. Jesus came to die on the cross. Therefore, a lot of people say, well, he came, he died, he bled. Therefore, everybody's saved. No, no, no. There must be repentance and there must be personal faith put in him as Savior. So a lot of people came to see who Jesus was. But there's one particular man who wanted to come and see him. And he was willing to leave his busy life, his business, his home, and come to see who Jesus was. He didn't sit in his office of business, or the seat of custom, we're told Matthew sat at, a tax collector's office. And he didn't say, Jesus, come to me. He went to see Jesus. Again, the Lord is seeking sinners, but sinners must come to him on their own accord, their own volition, their own desire, their own understanding that they are indeed a sinner and he is the Savior. Hey, if you're here today, you come to the right place. You can hear the message of Jesus Christ, that he, he was born, amen, and lived a sinless life, and he came and was born to die on the cross of Calvary for your sins, to be your Savior. But listen, he came, but you must come to him. Has there been a day that you've come to him as your Savior? I hope so. If not, today's the day. This is what Zacchaeus did. He was a great sinner. He sought out Jesus so much that he climbs up a tree. He, 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 he responds to the Lord's orders. He says, Zacchaeus, come, uh, let me go to your house today. And he invites him. Now listen, invites him to his own home. He's already hated. And this preacher that comes into town, this itinerant preacher, he's not well liked either. Well, he, he took a risk, didn't he? He sure did, but what a victorious day was his at the end of that day. 
I have a question for you this morning, and I never know who I'm speaking to, but are you willing to come to Jesus if he bids you? Come. Are you too full of pride to come to him in his calling? If you do, that would be a foolish thing. Another observation I see this morning, Jesus came to Jericho for that one man. You say, preacher, how do you know it wasn't more? It could have been, but our text is talking about one person. Second of all, there are many obstacles that appeared in the way of getting him to Jesus. Look at chapter 19, and we read verse 2. We read verse 3. Look at verse 4. And he came before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now, there are obstacles. There's always obstacles. I want you to know the devil lays obstacles before the lost so they don't come to know Christ. I don't know how many times I've been trying to win somebody to Jesus Christ, and in the middle of trying to win them to Jesus Christ, everything in the world takes place. I've been in their homes. I've gotten out the word of God. I'm starting to talk to them. I can tell that the spirit of God is working in their heart, and the phone will ring, and the dog will bark, and the kids will come racing through. And the husband will come in, or the wife will come in and, and say, we need to do this. There's all kinds of interruptions. I've been out door knocking and talking to people about the Lord, and a jet, it seems to me, comes about over the top of the house. <laughs> Anything to get people. I mean, the devil will use every opportunity to get people not to hear the gospel. He will pull every trick in the book. Obstacles. To in the way of people, I, I, there may be somebody again here today, I never know. You're not saved and you know it, and, and there's some obstacle. Don't let obstacle, some person, some cell phone, I, God help us, some distraction, and God's trying to speak to you about your soul. The devil makes obstacles, and boy, I tell you what, uh, Zacchaeus had his obstacles. The first obstacle I mentioned Already, really, Zacchaeus was a publican. That's an obstacle. To the Jewish people, that was an obstacle. He was hated, and he was chief of the hated ones. But second of all, he accumulated wealth again for his occupation. Uh, go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And this isn't about Zacchaeus. This is about a young man that had riches. And it was an obstacle in his life. This is the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, take a look at it just a little bit, three verses, I believe. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 23. We begin our reading. It says, And Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? In other words, Jesus said, It's hard for rich people to get saved. Amen. When I was in uh, Bible college in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I got in a little country church and was a, was a youth leader at this little country church. And I took the pastor with me, J.E. Glass, and they didn't have soul and they didn't do calling. And I had mentioned to him, hey, I'd go calling with you someday, preacher. He said, I'd go, but I don't have anybody to go with me. So we'd go knock on doors. And, and the first time we went out, we witnessed to a lot of people out in the country, up into farms and up into uh, this country homes and talking to people about the Lord. And uh, we did that for a couple of weeks. We, we had saw a couple of people get saved, and one man came to church, and uh, the pastor was excited. Oh, it had been years since he's seen anybody do something like that. And so we went, and, and uh, then I said, Preacher, uh, let's, go, let's, go witness, uh, let's go witness to um, 
those that maybe don't live around here, maybe, maybe somebody that's, you know, got a nice house, and, and he said, oh, we, he said, those people aren't going to come to church. I'll never forget, because a couple things happened, some obstacles happened, but we went, out, we went out calling in the country. We came to this house, and it was one of those palatial estates, you know, beautiful southern palatial estate, and it had fencing all around it, and the big pillars, and the gate, you know, and all that, and Brother Glass, I, I knew he was getting a little nervous, and quite frankly, I was too, and we drove in the drive and got up there, long driveway, got all the way up there, and Brother Glass got out on his side of the car, and I got out on my side of the car. I was closer to the front door. I was closer to getting to the path to the front door, Mike, and Brother Glass was just getting out of the car, and I'm telling you, these two pit bulls came around the corner, and they were doing this in, in, in slow motion. They were going, And I mean, the grass, in, in my mind, the grass is flying in the air. The gravel is flying in the air. These dogs slobber coming down. Their teeth are barren. Coming around the corner sideways as if they're in midair. And I'm stuck. Brother Glass comes and closes the door. <laughs> Just in time, the lady comes out. She calls them. They come to her side. Oh, Lord, thank you. And spoke to that woman about her soul. Listen, you, he said, oh, Pastor, you're going to tell her she got, no, she didn't get saved. But we gave her the gospel. Brother Glass learned that day. He said, well, I tell you what, I always think people need, but I always think that rich people aren't going to listen. Rich people don't have time. Isn't that, isn't that the way we think sometimes? But you know, people with substance and uh, they got power, they have authority. They need Jesus too. I'm glad that there are people that are good soul winners when it comes to going to Washington or New York or places of people like politicians, lawyers, doctors. Hey, they need Jesus. We need to understand that the devil will put all kinds of things in the way like dogs coming at you like this. It make you think, oh, I don't think I'm going to do that again. You know, it's funny. We went calling a few weeks later. And uh, we're, this dear, sweet lady came out of the house. She walked up to the gate, the old country house gate, you know, with the old wooden posts and kind of the, the, the fence that gets stapled to the, just kind of old type of house with the old kind of yard. And Brother Glass put his arm on the gate like this to talk to the lady. And this little dog, Harley, I, I hope I don't hurt you. I don't like little yappy dogs. I just don't. But anyway, this little yappy dog jumped up and got a hold of his arm and bit him. And I, I, I had these ones coming at me a couple weeks earlier, and they didn't do a thing. Yeah, I must have been right with God, and he probably wasn't that day. I don't <laughs> but, you know, he got bit on the arm. Just, hey, listen, that'll keep you from going door knocking. I've had people spit in my face. I've had people cuss me out. You can't let that keep you. From doing what you're supposed to do. But the devil, he'll make sure. He's relentless. He will put all kinds of obstacles in our way. Maybe some of you today. There's an obstacle in your way of coming to know Christ. But for us saved, there's an obstacle from getting you to do what God's told you to do. Somebody won't like you. Somebody will cuss you out. Somebody will tell you they don't want to hear it. And you just, you don't go anymore. God help us. That's the devil's obstacles. He was a publican. That was an obstacle. He, uh, he, uh, he was rich. He had accumulated wife, uh, wealth. That was an obstacle. The Bible says it's hard for a rich man to be saved. 
We just read that this rich young ruler wanted forgiveness and he wanted to follow Christ, but he had a problem. It was this. He wanted his riches more. In Mark 10, it says, And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having things. Just don't let things have you. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. Just don't let possessions have you. And I'm telling you today, the devil will bring obstacles. For, for, for Zacchaeus, riches had to be an obstacle. Maybe someone's here today and something's keeping you from getting saved. Maybe it's riches. The devil has things he's thrown in the path of a Christian to keep you from serving God. Oh, yeah, the Lord has spoken to you maybe many times about serving the Lord, getting involved in church. We're going to get in church and we're going to serve God. Then do it. Don't let the devil throw an obstacle in your way. They're keeping you from being used of the Lord. Maybe there's obstacle keeping you from being called of God in ministry. Oh, don't want that. But God may want you. Amen. There may be obstacles in your life keeping you from being benevolent unto others. Money again. The tithe, mission pledge, building, whatever. Don't let riches get in the way. You say, I'm not. No, Preacher, there's nobody in this church rich. Oh, you're wrong. We are very rich. And we don't even know it. Compared to the rest of the world, we live like kings, folks. Don't you know that? And the, the one in here is thinking, oh, I'm poor. I don't got nothing. You're rich. You're so rich. And it may have been an, an obstacle to you. But certain enough, the devil was throwing obstacles in the way of Zacchaeus from coming to know the Lord. Here's one that's very opposite. His size and stature hindered him from seeing who Jesus was. It says the press. That press was not the press of today, not the cameraman and not the people with the microphones. No, no. It just meant a large group of people. It meant pe people flocking together, a throng, if you would. So vast, so large, so pressed upon, shoulder to shoulder. Somebody the other day was telling me they wanted to go to New York. You can have New York. That's how I feel about it. I, I took my wife into New York City. It sounds all great. We're going to go there and see all this. Life. All I saw was people. I saw people like this. And it was raining, umbrellas, umbrella to umbrella. You're running into your umbrella to the next person. I didn't like it at all. And I was worried because I first come off the subway with my wife and my daughter. It was her graduation year, and we took her on a little vacation and went there. And uh, people everywhere, people everywhere. And, and, and the first time, out of the subway, a guy comes up to me. Good money, man. I need some money, man. Eyes real big. I mean, he's, I, I thought he was going to murder me right there in, in, in New York. <laughs> Another one. And, and people, I ran into the weirdest people. We went one time somewhere, and this guy had a box on his head, a cardboard box, and had almost like he, he, he made antennas on it out of uh, uh, um, foil, foil. And, and, and the guy had a, a big jam box, and he's standing, and I'm going, whoa. <laughs> now, this is how I experienced New York. All these weirdos coming to me. And I'm the man trying to protect my wife and my daughter in New York City, Reggie. And here are my wife and daughter. Oh, this is so nice. Oh, we're going to go over there, Joy. And they went to some toy store, and they went into a perfume place, and I'm outside. 
I'll never go to New York again in my life, as far as I'm concerned. Amen. Now, I don't even know why I told you that story. I, what purpose did I have in telling you that story? Whew. But it's a good story. Oh, yeah, press, press. People everywhere, shoulder to shoulder. I don't like that business. Remember, this was a wicked city at its time. Nobody wanted to go in there. It, commerce. And here comes Jesus and the crowd comes. They want to see something. But it didn't stop him because he wanted to see Jesus. I don't know, maybe there's someone here today, you need to see Jesus for who he is. You say, well, my mama's saved, my dad's saved, my grandpa's saved, my grandma's saved. I got friends that are saved. Hey, are you saved? I got friends that are saved. No, no, no. Are you saved? What's keeping you? I want you to know nothing should keep you from Jesus Christ. But there are going to be obstacles. Amen? Many a sinner, listen now, I'm, I'm moving on. Many a sinner has been hindered by people in their life that are keeping them from Jesus. Maybe it's your girlfriends. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your guy friends. Young people. Maybe it's somebody, the peer pressure of youth. Hey, but adults got it too. Somebody in the family, some friend. Some co-worker keeping you from believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let it happen. Get to Jesus like Zacchaeus did. Amen. Negative peer pressure from friends and family and associates, groups of people, sometimes parents. Oh, yeah. Sometimes in serving the Lord as a pastor, I've seen this happen. I've seen our young people go off to camp. They've gone off on a mission trip. They've gone to a youth spectacular and they come back all fired up for the Lord, and their parents say, now settle down. Or they'll say, no, you can't. Well, Dad, God called me to preach. No, he didn't. God wants me to be a missionary. No, he didn't. You're going to do this. Oh, don't ever do that. I remember old, old brother uh, uh, Jack Parchman. He preached a lot on hell and judgment, and a lot of people criticized him for it. And there would be conviction, and people would come, and then... Uh, parents would say, oh, you're already saved. You're okay. Or my wife, no, my wife doesn't need to get saved. She got saved. Oh, don't you do that. You never know what the Holy Spirit's doing. You don't want to be guilty someday of finding out that somebody was trying to come to Christ and you kept them from coming to Christ. Parent, don't let your kids be kept away from serving the Lord because it made you uncomfortable. My goodness. Be careful. Remember what Jesus said, don't you offend these little ones. Hmm. Be careful. And Zacchaeus, he had another thing that got in the way. From seeing Jesus physically. It was his stature. He couldn't do anything about that. But you know what? He said, I don't care. I'm going to see him. And he, this, this is a man of power. This is a man of prestige. This, his clothing was probably the best you could wear because he was rich. His position for the government was important. But he looked at the crowd and where it was heading, and he took him a, he took him a run, and he got ahead of the crowd, and he literally climbed up that tree, got to a place where he could see Jesus, and lo and behold, he got under one of the branches, and Jesus looks up and said, Zacchaeus, I need to come to your house today. Whoa. 
That little guy scampers down. He takes Jesus to his house. And that's when it happened. He got saved. I mean, he got born again. He ran ahead of the press. He, he climbed the tree. He stayed put where he was till Jesus gave him orders. He obeyed the orders of Christ. But far too often, some sinners don't come to Christ. And here's why. They take a look at salvation and say no. They hear perhaps one sermon. You know, I'm afraid there's a lot of people who hear many sermons, but you know, they don't hear them. There are times when the Spirit of God is working, and everybody knows it, and that one soul there that's not saved, they know it. And they get to the point where they need to get saved. They hear that one sermon, and they say, no, I think I'll wait. They feel one moment of conviction by the Holy Spirit. Strong, strong. They take a step forward, and then they take a step back. Never to take any more steps toward God. Thank God Zacchaeus didn't do that. He didn't let anybody keep him from Jesus. He didn't let, let his riches. He didn't let his pride. He didn't let his position. He came. Then notice, the Lord made sure to give Zacchaeus a little space of grace to meet and speak to Jesus. We were in Mexico years ago with the youth group. Brother Chuck Smith was going to be bringing the devotion that morning, and he preached on that text, A Little Space of Grace. I don't know if Linda remembers this. I do. Boy, God used that devotion. And I'm thinking of this space of grace that God gave Zacchaeus. The Bible says in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and he that cometh to me shall in no wise be cast out. James 4, 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen now. Sinners need to come to Jesus. And here's a truth that you should never forget. Jesus will always meet you halfway. Zacchaeus running up this tree. He goes and makes all this effort. And you think it's a surprise that Jesus stopped under that one tree? took a look up and said, hey, Zacchaeus, you and I have an appointment to make. Whatever it is, if you're looking for the Lord in your life, he will meet you halfway. Say, so, preacher, how do you know halfway? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Amen. Everybody wants God to stop everything for them. Listen, God will meet you halfway. You've got to take the rest of the steps. You've got to do that. Is God trying to reach out to you today? He's, he's made the halfway. This sermon, your being here, the topic of this sermon. But as many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Do you need to believe on his name? Now, Jesus could have passed by without even a look. But in grace, Jesus looked up. Again, I'm thinking of the day that God looked at me. He showed me my need for Jesus Christ. There have been little touches in my life from time to time, but there was a day where I had to make a decision, and I knew I had to make that decision. I'm so glad I did. The Lord looked in me. He gave me the opportunity. I had enough sense to reach out and receive it by faith. And what a life he's given me. And what an eternal life awaits me. Amen. 
Oh, the Lord was so gracious to Zacchaeus. You know what was going on that day? A one-on-one discussion between Zacchaeus and Jesus. In a crowd. A one-on-one. I don't know if you notice this in your Bible. I'm assuming you have. But there are many conversations Jesus had with one-on-one. What a God. Amen? I understand the gospel is preached in crowds. And and the Lord works that way. But you know, it boils down to this. It's one-on-one. You and God. The, the cleansed leper, one-on-one conversation. The centurion soldier, the man of the palsy. Uh, Matthew sitting at the seat of customs. The woman with the issue of blood. Woman at the well. The madman of Kadera. Uh, Jesus and Mary in the garden after his resurrection. The man with the withered hand. The, the blind man that healed. Nicodemus by night, amen. The impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. The woman caught in adultery. One-on-one, 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 one-on-one. Has there ever been a one-on-one relationship with you and the Lord? I hope there has. And if there hasn't been, today could be the day. Say, preacher, but everybody else is here. You you misunderstand me. One-on-one with you, you come, and you invite Jesus into your heart. You ask Jesus the questions, and he'll respond to you through his word and through the Spirit. The great sinner Zacchaeus got all his... Uh, questions answered, and he was truly born again. Look at Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at verse 6. The Bible says in Luke 19, 6, these words. And he made haste, and he came down and received him, how? Joyfully. But drop down to verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I have given to the poor, And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation. Now remember, he's a tax collector. You remember, he kicked people out of their house. You remember, he acquired wealth through this job of his. And here's what Zacchaeus says, I'll make it right. I'll restore him fourfold. Now here's the wonderful response. Jesus said unto him, verse 9, this day is salvation come to this house. You know, the Lord saw his heart and said, this man got saved today. I'm telling you, when you get saved, things change. Did for me. Did for anybody to ever really truly come to the Lord. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I have a question for you. Has things changed for you since you've been saved? Should have. Amen. I got a different desire. I have a different heart. I have a different mind. I have a different mouth. I mean... I, the Lord changed me. Amen. I still got the old flesh. I still have a problem with that. Amen. But there's the inner man, the Holy Spirit. He's been my companion all these years. He's the one that speaks to me, that guides me, that teaches me, that comforts me. Oh, thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But here we see that Zacchaeus was ready and willing to make a personal sacrifice, to meet the conditions, to pay the price of true discipleship, to bear the reproach and humiliation of being a follower for Christ. Have you got there yet? Because you need to. You need to get to the place where you're not afraid to declare, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. One of the main things is to be scripturally baptized. We've had some baptisms of late. So, but I'm afraid what people think don't matter. I'm afraid what people say. It doesn't matter. I'm afraid of water. It doesn't matter. Obey. Let the Lord use that as a testimony in your life. Amen. Lastly, as I 
read in verse 9, the testimony of Zacchaeus' salvation is genuine and it's sure. And its Savior, I like this, collaborated. Jesus said, today has salvation come to this house. You know, I could say, you know, I told you last week, my granddaughter, uh, Kaylee, over there in Germany, she, she trusted Jesus as her Savior. They send us this cute little video. And I'm one of God's people, she says to us. So cute how she explained it. You know, everybody's got to come to the place where you understand as a child or as an adult that he's the way and you receive him. And that's great. I could tell you that. Oh, my granddaughter got saved. But more importantly in this story, it's not everybody else. Hey, did you hear what happened to Zacchaeus? He met Jesus. Did you hear what happened to Zacchaeus? He, you know, he, 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 he ripped me off. I got a check in the mail. He didn't have checks. I got some money back from him. Something's happened to him. That's great. That's wonderful that somebody else shares your testimony. But the most important thing is that Jesus, he said, today has salvation come to this. Jesus said, he's saved. As God the Holy Spirit said to you, you're okay. You're saved. And if he hasn't, you better check up. And please, if somebody's having trouble with that, don't get in the way. Don't be an obstacle. Let God work. Don't you want them to have a no-so salvation like you do? A time and a place that they can go back and say, hey, I don't care what everybody else says. The Lord told me I'm saved. What a story. I said this is a great conversion story, and it is. But you know, the best one I've ever heard about is not in the Bible. It's mine. It's mine. I can, go, I can go back to the time, the place, 31, 749, Rosslyn, Garden City, Michigan, upstairs bedroom. That's when I got saved. And where'd you get saved? So I don't even remember. How do you not remember somebody as big as God coming in your life? Well, I'm getting pretty old. Well, that's an excuse because I do. Somebody asked me, Ken Beeman's asking me what happened 20 years ago on, on uh, what's today? <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. He said, do you remember when it snowed, Pastor? Like, I said, I don't remember what happened last week. Well, there's snowed on St. Patrick's Day. I can understand that one. But I can take you to the place. If they let me in. And take you up those steps. And show you that little bedroom. How I knelt down and I asked Jesus, forgive my sins. Here's what I said. Lord, save me and come into my heart and change my life. I remember that. Like, folks, that was 40-something years ago. Do you have a no-so salvation? Has the Holy Spirit stamped that in your heart? That is a great conversion story. But a better one is mine. Yours. We close today. Maybe God's dealing with you about a matter in your life. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe today's the day somebody truly gets saved. Maybe it's scriptural baptism. It's a preacher's time for me to follow the Lord and declare my faith in Jesus. Maybe it's church membership. Preacher, I know it's not good for me not to be in a church. I need to get into church. Christian service. Some area God wants you to be involved in. Surrendering to God's will. Maybe a closer walk with him. Maybe it's about separation in your life. Maybe it's a life of holiness. 
I don't know, a better witness, bolder in the faith, call of God upon your life in a special way. It's been some time since we've seen anybody say, Preacher, I feel called to preach. Or some young lady said, I feel God wants me to go to the mission field. Oh my goodness, it would be great to see some of that. And I don't want anybody to do it for Steve Brown. I want you to do it for Jesus Christ. But quit, quit being afraid. Don't let the devil put obstacles in your path. Serve the Lord. Let's bow our heads of wood, every head bow.